before we begin a really short study that's almost over. <laughs> Let's pray together. <laughs> Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. I've had a cough for a few days. It's getting better. I know some of you have coughs too, but if I do cough, especially if you hear this on the podcast, it gets amplified because I'm wearing a microphone. I apologize in advance, and uh, hopefully I won't cough very much during this short time. This Torah portion this week is a fascinating one that describes a surprising appearance of the Lord in the middle of a dream, but it's not just a dream, it's a dream that's connected with reality. And so turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 28, and we want to look at a a few verses here that are so interesting and, and really powerful Uh, in describing the Lord and and what he's doing. And you know, Jacob is on his way towards Haran, and he's in search of a wife, that's his goal in going there, but he's also escaping from family conflict. So in Genesis 28, verse 10, it says that Yaakov went out from Beersheba, and he traveled toward Haran, He came to a certain place and he stayed the night there because the sun had set. He took a stone from the place, put it under his head, and he lay down there to sleep. And he dreamt that there before him was a ladder resting on the ground with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of Adonai were going up and down the ladder. So that's interesting because it it suggests that the angels of the Lord were already present on the earth doing angel things. And they would go back up to heaven, and then they would come down. And I want you to see something in in the revelation here. It's not so much a revelation about heaven and our place in heaven, as it is a revelation about God's place in the earth. The God who is the God of heaven is also the God in this earth, on this earth, and with his people of the earth. So it says the angels of Adonai were going up and down on it, and then suddenly, I love that word, don't you? Suddenly. Suddenly Adonai was standing there next to him. And he said, I am Adonai, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Yitzchak. The land on which you're lying I will give to you and to your descendants, and your descendants will be as numerous as the grains of dust on the earth. You will expand to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and by you and your descendants all the families of the earth will be blessed. So in this moment, God who is the God of heaven and the eternal God who created everything by his, the power of his word, he now is revealing himself to Jacob, a third generation. You have Abraham, you have Isaac, now you have Jacob. And Jacob is being told by the Lord himself in this dream, but by the Lord. 
you are with me now. In my covenant, the covenant I made with your father, with your grandfather, a covenant that includes the land, it includes uh, posterity as well, your descendants. And it is a covenant that will also touch the whole earth, because by you and those who proceed from you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now this is incredible. It's, it's an act of mercy and grace to one who was accused of being tricky and deceitful, right? And who was in conflict many times. God chooses him. We learn something from this. When God is making covenant, it's, it's not neat. It's not orderly. It's not predictable. It's upsetting and surprising. He, the fact that God makes covenant with someone should be a warning to them. <laughs> Things are about to get messy so that they can get messianic. They're, yeah, they're about, they're about to get difficult and upside down so that the Lord can turn them right side up. But when he gets something that is already upside down, we may not recognize it. We may think it's just normal stuff. And when he turns it, right side up, and it feels upside down, we may not even recognize, oh, that's finally in the right position. Finally it is. It's an amazing thing when God gets his hands on people and when he makes covenant with people. And when he makes covenant with people, it's surprising because he doesn't want to use people who will receive the glory for themselves or who others would say, well, that's just natural. You would expect that from such a person. He uses people through whom he can reveal his glory. And people who are unlikely and people who are flawed. I mean, the fact is we're all flawed. If you don't know that already. Welcome to reality. But the other thing is when God makes covenant, it means there will be a challenge, there will be a battle, there will be a difficulty in order to bring forth the fruit of the covenant. So God's making covenant now with Jacob. So what could you expect will happen next? Trouble, right? And you will be correct. And with that in mind, it makes sense what the Lord promises in verse 15. He says, look, I'm with you, and I'll guard you wherever you go. Why do you need guarding? <laughs> Trouble. I will guard you. I will be force protection. I will be the protective detail assigned to you. Why do you need that? because you're walking into trouble. I will guard you wherever you go and I'll bring you back into this land because I won't leave you until I've done what I've promised you. 
Now, that's also interesting because it, it gives us a perspective. Jacob is about to go into this new period of his future. He needs guarding. If you heard that and you're a scaredy cat, you know what you would do? Run in the other direction. That won't help. There's more trouble in that direction. So that's one thing, he needs guarding. And the other thing is he's gonna face challenges and difficulty all around him. That's what you could expect from this. So when God says, I make covenant with you and I've purchased you through my son, Yeshua, and you think, oh, that means, that means life's gonna be really easy. No, that means it took, it took Yeshua's life to purchase you out of the trouble you're about to go in and the trouble you've already been in. It took that much. Verse 16, Yaakov awoke from his sleep. So all this happened during a dream, but it's to be understood as a reality even though it wasn't a physical reality. God spoke through uh, the dream and manifest himself through this. Yaakov awoke from his sleep and he said, truly Adonai is in this place and I didn't know it. That is such an important insight. When people go through difficulty, they often think that they're alone and that God must be somewhere else. But God was there And it was only when Jacob went to sleep that he actually became perceptive of the present reality of God. And then jumping down to verse 20, Yaakov took this vow. If God will be with me, or maybe it's better to translate it this way, in light of the fact that God will be with me and will guard me on this road that I'm traveling, giving me bread to eat and clothes to wear, so that I do return to my father's house in peace, then Adonai will certainly be my God. And the stone which I've set up as a standing stone will be God's house, and of everything you give me, I will faithfully return one-tenth to you. Notice the form of the language. The first few statements are spoken sort of in a declarative way. But the last statement is, is very personal. I... then you will be my God. And everything you give me, I will faithfully return one-tenth to you. So it goes from sort of a descriptive and declarative way to a very personal way of communicating. If all this is true, and since it's true, as it unfolds, you really will be God to me. And I really will be faithful to you, and I'll give you, I will return the tithe to you of everything that you give me. It's, it's incredible. Well, if, if you follow the, the text, you'll see that Jacob ends up in the, the town where his, uh, his relatives live, uh, Laban or Levan, and he sees a woman, Rachel, Rachel, young woman, beautiful, with a heart of gold, and he falls in love with her, and it grows and it grows, and he, he decides, this is the woman I want to marry. 
And so he makes arrangements and, and Laban says, okay, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. You work for me for seven years and she's yours. And Jacob says, deal. And so they work, they work together and it's, it's a great blessing and, and Jacob is very patient waiting for the wedding day. The wedding day comes. Now remember what the Lord said. I'll guard you. And then think of what happens. So what happens is basically this. Laban substitutes Leah for Rachel, the older sister for the younger sister, puts a veil on her. Jacob gets married to the wrong gal. And then they consummate their marriage. And then he wakes up in the morning and in the light, no veil, no clothes. And he says, oh no. <laughs> and that's how you know this is a covenant unfolding. Because things are messy, right? It's a little bit crazy here. This is also why in the Jewish wedding ceremony, we now lift the veil before the ceremony <laughs> begins. <laughs> Fooled me once. <laughs> but you know what's really amazing? Jacob doesn't give up. In fact, he holds on. He had one simple goal, one simple idea. He wanted a wife. He just wanted one wife. He, he got a lot more than he bargained for. And if you read about the troubles that he had, it will dispel any temptation that men have. If only I could have like a, a harem or something. <laughs> Already, during the time of the patriarchs, you can see that whole tribal system of one guy with many wives and concubines, etc. The whole thing is broken and falling apart. It's falling in pieces. It's, it's only being propped up. Uh, it's a good thing to get out of that mess. But there is a moment, there's a moment when Jacob faces this, uh, this question, what am I gonna do? and he faces the shenanigans that his uh, father-in-law has committed. How many of you like the word shenanigans? It's a word I particularly enjoy. And if you don't know what it means, it's, it's like deceit or trickery or machinations, maneuvering, dishonesty, hidden plans. But shenanigans just sounds right. <laughs> and Laban has all these shenanigans. You'll see this you know, throughout the, the story. But Laban says, yeah, in, in this part of the world, we've got a custom, the older sister has to get married first. Yeah, you should have known. <laughs> Jacob says, well, I'm not from these parts. Well, you should have asked. No, it was really a trick. But he falls in love with Rachel. He is in love with her. He's worked for seven years. And then um, Laban says, well, you can have her, but it'll be later and you'll have to work another seven years too. And then the ro most romantic verse in the scriptures. 
Genesis chapter 29, verse 20, Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. <laughs> Jacob just wanted a wife. But God had a plan that was beyond normal understanding. And God took the mess that ensued. We don't have time to go into all the details, but it really is a mess. There's rivalry. There's too many women vying for uh, one man. There's uh, disappointment. There's sorrow. There's difficulty conceiving. Uh, there's too much conception. <laughs> and God is making covenant with Jacob in order to bring forth a covenant nation of 12 tribes. And these 12 tribes are not gonna have an easy life. They're not gonna get along with each other. They need each other, but they don't like each other's strengths. In the same way that Cain did not like the strengths of Abel. The brothers have strengths, but they don't admire each other, they undermine each other. And God will have to bring them low in order to cause them to appreciate the strengths each one has. And they'll have to learn to honor the one who they consider the lowest. And to not give such um, status to the ones who are in the higher positions. That will be necessary not just one time, but over and over again, including when Yeshua comes and after. And those of you from Jewish families who accept Yeshua, you find that you have to battle with this because it's not easy to get Yeshua honored from our family who might misunderstand and think of him as too low. Well, most of us want everything just so, don't we? We don't like, un we don't like inconvenience. But God, God works through the chaos and he brings order. He works through the confusion and he puts things in place. And when he makes covenant, it's almost a certain guarantee that things are gonna be difficult, not easy, difficult. So just tell yourself this, I'm in a covenant with God, that means things will be difficult. You didn't have a good response to that. <laughs> I'm not trying to sell you something, I'm trying to tell you the truth. But here's what I wanna tell you, that even when you work your way through the difficulties and you learn to be patient and you learn to persevere and to hold on to the purpose and you learn to hold on to the promises of God and, and you're persistent, even when you've done all that, there's another thing in life which are the unexpected blessings that God will bring to you. You're sleeping on a rock in the middle of nowhere and God comes down in a dream. That's an unexpected blessing. You're almost 100 years old, Abraham, just circumcised yourself. Don't ask me how you do that.
And while you're recovering, you're sitting outside your tent, some strangers come and you decide to be hospitable to them. And it turns out it's the Lord and his companions. And you didn't expect that in your worst condition, as you're recovering and uncomfortable, and it's so inconvenient that you would entertain and feed guests who turned out to be the Lord and angels, and that they would bring news to you that the son you've been longing for is actually going to be conceived and will come forth. Unexpected good, surprising good. Not because you planned it, but because you were just trying to live a life of faithfulness and goodness before the Lord. And so in the midst of all the trouble and all the shenanigans and all the things that you need protection from, there's another element which my father used to call serendipity. How many of you like that word? We got shenanigans and we got serendipity. How many of you have used serendipity in the last three days? (laughs) Okay, two of us, three of us, good for us, four of us. Way to go, shalom. My father would use it often, it was one of his favorite words, to describe when an unexpected good thing happened to him. And he would come home from work and he would say, it was a serendipity moment. And he'd tell us how he was minding his own business or doing what he had planned to do and then suddenly something unexpected that he wasn't looking for happened and it was a great blessing. And he was the kind of guy who had this happen a lot. So you couldn't say it was random but he experienced a lot. And I was looking up, how do you translate serendipity into Hebrew? It's very interesting. (laughs) The way you say serendipity in Hebrew is this way, serendipity. (laughs) Yeah, because there's not, you just have to say it with a Hebrew accent. (laughs) There's not a separate word for it. But it's, it's a great word. And I was thinking how with God, there are unexpected blessings that come to us. Yes, unexpected troubles, but don't get lost in that, unexpected blessings. And today, as as we're concluding, I just wanna tell you about one that, that we're celebrating today. Today is the 12th anniversary of our podcast. And yeah. And if, if you don't know the story of our podcast, it, it's really an interesting story. The story is this. Phil Feller and his wife moved from Jacksonville down to South Florida, and they asked us if they could purchase each month CDs of all the sermons for, from all the Shabbat services. And we said, sure, and we'll mail them to you. And he would faithfully send a check, and we would not send him CDs because we were just learning how to do that and we really couldn't pull it together. It was hard with all the other things we were doing to figure out how to make it routine. So he was good natured about it and after a while he came, he came one day to services with this little white thing that we'd never seen before and he said, this is an iPod. And we said, what's that? <laughs> and he said, well, it can store digital music. And he said, this is what you need to do. Instead of sending me a CD, take the digital recording and just put it on the internet and I'll get it myself. And that's called a podcast. We said, wow. (laughs) 
So several people worked together on that to, to figure out how to do it. It turned out we used Apple's new program called iTunes for that. And, and I, th I think it may have been Aaron Fleming who came to me and said, you gotta pick a category for iTunes. What category do you want it to be in? I said, well, what are the Jewish categories? And he said, Judaism. I said, okay, that. So, so we posted in the Judaism podcast category the recordings of the Shabbat services because we couldn't make CDs effectively. And this way, Phil was able to get them. He was really happy. Well, to our surprise, other people started listening. And to our surprise, more people started listening. I remember when you know, we, we had like 10,000 people who had uh, listened to the, the podcast, and it was unbelievable to us. We couldn't imagine. Well, here's the, here's the news. 12 years later, 12 years is today, I can tell you this. In approximately 30 days, we will hit the 10 million mark of podcast feeds and downloads reaching more than 100 countries. The one continent we're not reaching effectively is Antarctica. <laughs> what can we say? But here's the thing. And I, I told a, a, a rabbi's conference this once. The reason we did podcasts is because we couldn't do CDs effectively. We didn't have a plan. We were just trying to get something to fill. That was our only idea. So I, I said to the rabbis, you know, strategic planning is good, but it's not everything. Imagine if we had decided to really master making CDs. Well, by today, we could probably be up to 20, 25 CDs a week. And, and we would not have accomplished what we are accomplishing. The plans that you have may take you so far, but they may not take you all the way to what God has in mind. And what God has in mind will be messy. It will be difficult, it will be inconvenient, it will be challenging, and it will require him being with you. It will require him guarding you because it's going to be difficult and challenging, but it will bring glory to him. Between now and the next 30 days, we're gonna be beefing up the resources that we want to offer people all over the world who have connected with us. You know, everything we do here gets amplified and extended to reach all over the world. And so we know from our contacts with people, they need more resources, written materials. They need uh, access to audio and video from us, they need to connect more with us, and so we're gonna be dedicating more resources and using messianicjewishteachingsnow.com as, as a resource center 
on the internet for that. We'll keep everything we have, but we'll also connect to that as a one-stop way of connecting with all these new resources. So we're gonna try to strengthen that in the next 30 days and then continue to improve it and enlarge it over the year to come. But I just wanna say, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing to see God's plans unfold when they're greater than the plans we had for ourselves and how he can use our weaknesses and our inabilities in order to bring glory to him by doing more than we asked or imagined. And the podcast is just one example. The 12 tribes of Israel are a much greater example. The covenant that God has made with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, and extended to us and then to the nations through Messiah is the best example of all. I encourage you to take heart. Today I was so encouraged by the three young men, by Javier and Brendan and Alex, participating in the reading of Torah Haftorah and Habrit HaDashah. Weren't you encouraged by that? (laughs) Three young men who have uh, completed their bar mitzvah here at the synagogue in the last year or two, and then continuing to serve the Lord in many ways, so that they really do become part of the adult life and community of the congregation. We're not waiting for people to to get really old before they can do something. As soon as they can do anything, we want to start including them. It's a wonderful thing. It's something we learn from the scriptures about taking note of all the generations working together. Well, we need to stop. (laughs) A while ago, But now, let's stop suddenly. (laughs) Thank you, Sandy, for uh, keeping guard over me. (laughs) And as you're standing, don't don't stand alone. Stand together with someone else. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai p'navilecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai p'navilecha v'yasem lecha shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you and guard you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.